Hey everyone, it's PJ here. And today we're hitting Wednesday of Holy Week. Uh, interestingly, Wednesday is um, a relatively quiet day, uh, historically speaking. Um, we don't see a, a whole lot of excitement or activity the way we've been seeing the past few days. But the reason why Wednesday appears to be a more quiet day is because a lot of plotting uh, goes on among the Jewish leaders during this time, during uh, this day. And we know that this is Wednesday because in Mark 14, it's very clear it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes were trying to uh, arrest Jesus and kill him by stealth. Uh, but they told themselves, okay, let's not do this during the feast because we'll be seen by people and there'll be an, a revolt uh, because Jesus, again, is at the peak of his popularity at this time. And so they are trying to wait it out and until the, uh, the Passover is over, um, then they will seek to uh, kill him. Um, and in the meantime, Jesus is, uh, as he's always done, he's been uh, teaching. He continues to do so. He continues to, to teach and continues to uh, see people in the, in the temple. And what you notice now is as he nears uh, the end of his earthly ministry, uh, Jesus focuses on a couple of things. One, uh, teaching. Uh, there's not a whole lot of healing going on uh, during this time. He's focusing his last days on teaching and explaining the meaning of his teaching to his disciples. Um, that's been his focus uh, so far. And we will see how this focus then really hits sort of a climactic point when he institutes the, the Lord's Supper uh, during the Passover meal uh, tomorrow. And he's going to explain to the disciples through that meal how he himself is uh, the real form of the Passover lamb. And, and all the Passover meals that they've been partaking of for, for thousands of years was really about this moment uh, when Jesus is going to be the Lamb of God slain for his people. And we'll get to... Uh, more details about that tomorrow, but uh, for today, I want to uh, hone in on one question, and that is, uh, why? Why were the Jewish leaders uh, representing Israel so set on crucifying Jesus? Why Why was Jesus such a threat to them? Now, uh, there's a good sort of additional uh, supplementary passage that can really help us understand this, and that is the passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. And the heading for that, this section in chapter 11, verses 45 and on, is the plot to kill Jesus. So a very good place to turn to, to understand the motive behind the, the Israel leaders on why they want to crucify Jesus. And let me just read this for you from verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him, and him is Christ. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come 
and take away both our place and our nation. Did you hear that? Here's, here's the thread. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. The Romans will come. They'll take away our place and our nation. Okay, so for the Israelites and the leaders of Israel, Jesus posed a, a thread to their national identity. Uh, why? Isn't that interesting? Because Jesus is an Israelite. He's a Jew. Why would him becoming king, him being the Messiah, and people following him somehow become uh, a reason for them to lose their place and their nation? It's because Jesus was very clear in his teaching. My kingdom is not of this world. Uh, if it were, um, the Pharisees would gladly make him king over them because they're all about their place and their nation and uh, overcoming over, uh, Caesar's reign and, and establishing themselves um, as their own sovereign entity with uh, the son of David as king. But Jesus wasn't part of that agenda. Yet people were following him and they saw that as a threat. Now, verse 49 goes on to say this, but one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. It's, it's better, he says, for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. Now, from the Christian lens, that sounds a lot like he's saying, hey, Jesus is the substitutionary sacrifice who's going to save the whole nation of Israel, um, and it's better this way. Now, look at what it says. Listen to what it says next in verse 51. He did not say this of his own accord. Okay, The high priest Caiaphas was not saying this out of his own will, out of his own understanding, but... Being high priest that year, he prophesied. Right? Being high priest that year, he prophesied. I mean, being high priest that year, God spoke through him, not of his own accord, but God's own accord, uh, spoke through him that Jesus would die for the nation. Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, verse 52, but also to gather into one, into one, the children of God who are scattered abroad. Okay, not for the nation only, but for all the children of God who are scattered. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. So this is John very um, insightfully telling us, right? Um, something that's going on underneath the surface, right? So on the surface, it seems like Caiaphas and the council and the Jewish leaders are simply saying, hey, Jesus is a threat to our nation. We need to kill him for that reason. And it's better that he dies so that we preserve our nation but what's really happening underneath is this control of God unfolding this very grand redemptive plan that through Jesus' sacrificial death, he will not only bring about healing for the nation of Israel, but all the children of God who are scattered, and they will be gathered into one. He'll be gathered into one. And so this is God's doing even as the people are plotting and trying to set a plan to arrest and execute Jesus, uh, there is a grand 
grander plan, a greater plan unfolding through all of these human agents. And that's God's plan. He's in control. He is sovereign. He is over this. He, nobody is surprising God here, much less Jesus. Uh, Jesus knows full well what's going, what's going to happen to him because this is his plan. It's his plan to lay his life down freely for all of his people and gathering them as a shepherd would gather the sheep uh, into his fold. Um, and because he is the promised Messiah, he's the promised son of David who's going to bring about the everlasting kingdom of God. Let's meditate on this uh, throughout today. Um, although on the surface it may seem like we're the ones in control. Uh, we're the ones going about planning and executing our day. Although during this season, that's probably coming into question a lot. Um, I think we need to remember Everything is still under God's control. It's all unfolding according to His plan. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, am I aligning myself with His plan? Am I aligning with His mission to the world? Am I trying to live out my agenda and build my kingdom? Or am I trying to live out God's agenda and build His kingdom? Am I walking with him sufficiently to know what his desire for me is, what his plan for me is? Am I fellowshipping with him? And with that in mind, let's go to God uh, through word and through prayer. And let's seek to draw near to him in, that, in this quiet moment, uh, during this quiet time. Um, and we don't have to go very far. All we need to do is turn to God in prayer the way that he taught us to pray. Uh, it's, it's amazing how forgetful we can be of the way that He taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, how do I hallow your name today? How do I lift your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, help me to live for your kingdom and through my life, make your kingdom more visible here on earth. What would that look like, Lord? Um, if I were to take each moment of my day, each interaction I have, every word I say, every thought I think, if I were to make it all about your kingdom and your righteousness, uh, all about your son, what would that look like? Lord, show me. Let's spend this day uh, praying that as often as we can and uh, keeping an eye out for, an ear out for how God leads us to make his kingdom more visible through our lives.